The Midweek Horror Podcast is supported by Horrified, the website that celebrates and champions British horror, covering films, television, books, fiction, and more. You can visit Horrified at horrifiedmagazine.co.uk and find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at horrifiedmag. This is the Midweek Horror Podcast with Hannah Fox and Alice Reed. It's Saturday morning. It's the day in October. <laughs> yeah, it's the something of October, it's... and it's day four of Fright Fest. It's Yay! 2020. <laughs> Welcome to our special. Fright Fest episode of the Midweek Horror Podcast. Basically, we're going to watch five films today. We're going to have two takeaways. And a shitload of snacks. Yeah, yeah. Lots of bottles of Coke. And a good time, I think. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. So, I I haven't seen any bad films yet. I uh, have obviously joined you, Ellis, for Saturday Fright Fest. I was, um, yeah, I was unable to come around in the week due to a bad prawn. So, um, yeah, tell me about them. What did okay. you like? What didn't you like? Yep, I will give you my whistle-stop tour of all the films that I saw while you were ill. Excellent. Um, so on Wednesday night I saw a film called The Sinners. This is an American film by Courtney Page. Uh, it opens with a kind of Heathers-style setup where there's an elite clique of seven students in a very conservative religious American town. And the theme of the gang is they call themselves the seven deadly sins. And each one is meant to embody one of the sins. And to be honest, I'd call it a mystery film rather than a horror. But I did enjoy it. Very stylishly put together, with great use of music and voiceover. And I definitely got drawn into the story and wanted to see how it ended. The seven deadly sins stuff isn't very developed or convincing, but that's okay because it's... The film is quite upfront about the fact that you're not meant to take that too seriously. It's just like a a silly theme. These immature characters are, you know, trying to make a thing. It's not a key part of the plot. It's not like Seven set at a high school Got ya. or anything. <laughs> um, it's more about the characters and the vignettes of their lives, which are sometimes a little bit comical, and the development of the murder mystery. It's not my usual sort of film. I think I'd give it three stars, but that's a warm three stars in that I was pleasantly surprised, uh, rather than a, a disappointing three stars. I probably wouldn't have thought to go and see this if it was on at the cinema, but if I went because somebody else wanted to see it, I would have been perfectly happy and had a nice time. Uh, the next film I saw was the six o'clock showing on Thursday. I saw a film called Sacrifice. Uh, this is a folk horror film set in Norway with horror legend Barbara Crampton. Do you know Barbara Crampton? I don't know if I do. You might remember her from Reanimator. Re- what role did she have in that? She played a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think the main woman. Okay, you know, yeah, yeah. I think my, I know who you mean. It's so long since I've seen Reanimator. Yeah, me too, to be honest. All I know is I think that was her sort of entry into the horror genre. Got Yeah, I think I know who you mean. So in this one, she's playing a Norwegian sheriff. This is a film by Andy Collier and Tor Mian, 
who made a British film called Charismata, which I really enjoyed. It's one of my sort of overlooked gems that I found on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's about a young couple who return to the Norwegian island where the man was born after they inherit a house there. I thought this was basically a very solid genre flick. If you like this sort of thing, it's an hour and a half well spent, and I do like it. Of the actors, Sophie Stevens does a great performance as the main character, Emma, who is likeable. So it's one of those films where you're hoping for a happy ending rather than eating popcorn and waiting for everyone to die. And for me, that's probably where the main appeal of the the film came from. It's certainly not a big bonkers film where there's all these crazy set pieces that keep your interest. You're interested because you want to know what's going to happen to Emma and is she going to be okay or not. Barbara Crampton was superb as well. Uh, One thing I will say, though, is like all folk horror, the locals are absolutely horrible. I've been to Norway and everyone I met was lovely. So I just wanted to... No reflection on Norway, then. No reflection on the real (laughs) Norway, as as far as I can tell. So I think I would give this a three and a half stars. Between this and Charismata, if I heard that Andy Collier and Tormian were doing another film, I'd be very keen to see it. Okay, what do we have next? Right, so those two films I made quite detailed notes for. Yeah. From here on in, we're winging it. Do it. <laughs> so something really, really nice to come out of this year's Fright Fest has been the return of two filmmakers individually, they're not making films together, who are well-known in sort of Fright Fest fandom but neither of them have made a horror film for a few years. Mm. The first of these is Chris Smith. And now he's not, he's, he's still been working in the meantime. He's been doing stuff like he did a Christmas comedy. He did an action film. He's done quite a bit of TV. But in the noughties, up to about 2010, he did a run of horror films that were all very different and all very good. And he did a film called Creep. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Go try and get this in order. Severance which I think had Danny Dyer in, yes. horror comedy. Yes, vaguely remember that one too. Got really good buzz. He did a film with Angel off Home and Away called The Triangle. Oh. Which was really good. I saw that at the cinema, actually. Was it was Melissa Angel George? from... Yeah, was she from Home and Away? She was, yeah. Yeah, not she, Neighbours. I always get no, the two models. She, Angel was from Home and Away, definitely. And in 2010, he did a film which I really liked called The Black Death with Sean Bean and Eddie Redmayne. Oh, not seen that one. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a goodie. And they're all very different. And as you can tell by the actress, the actors, sorry, that I just mentioned, you know, they're not low-budget B-movie style films. No. They're the kind of films you could quite happily put on in the cinema. And he's returned to Fright Fest with a new film called The Banishing, and he actually mentioned in his Q&A that he's, he, uh, he sort of realised he'd never been happier than when he was making horror, and he's actually got more horror films coming up out for us. So after 10 years of absence, that's really good news for horror. The Banishing is based on the story of Borley Rectory, which before it was demolished in 1944, was said to be the most haunted house in England. Really? Where's that then? Well, Borley. Borley. I knew you were going to say that, (laughs) and I I have no idea where Borley is. I can't remember. (laughs) But sadly, the the truth is a bit more mundane, because apparently the vicar's wife was like inventing paranormal occurrences 
as cover for the fact that she was shagging the lodger. <laughs> but, but in this in this film, the paranormal's real. And it's a bit of a departure for Chris Smith because he's, he's directing somebody else's script, whereas his previous horror films he wrote and directed. So what would I say about this film? I would say it is his most conventional film. It's a clear haunted house film. And a lot of it I would call familiar food cooked well. That. Yeah, you've got mm. you've got all the haunted house tropes. You've got the young family moving into uh, a haunted house. Mm. You've got the child who suddenly starts casually referring to the new imaginary friend. Yeah, standard. Yeah, yeah you've got creepy dolls. You've got uh, shadowy figures flitting in the foreground. Mm. You've even got a traditional indoor game that goes spooky. In this case, it's not hide and seek. It's what's the time, Mister Wolf. Mm. Although they seem to be playing some weird house rules, because Mr. Wolf is looking round when it's not even dinner time. Come on. Which is, which is not how I play. What's the time, Mr. Wolf? Um, there are some really interesting different things as well. So it's not like one of these identical haunted house films. Wasn't built on an Indian burial ground or anything like that. No, not quite. <laughs> not quite. But the, the plot, you know, there are some old stalwarts in the plot. I'm yeah. not. I'm not going to do, uh, I'm not going to do spoilers. There's some really interesting creepy visuals where time gets out of sync and characters end up bumping into themselves. And that's done in a way which is really quite creepy and memorable. So there's all these little things that lift it above your average run of the mill haunted, haunted house flick, I think. Uh, the performances are great. It's got, um, Jessica Brown Findlay or is it Findlay Brown? Findlay. I know who you mean though. Yep. Was she Downton Abbey? Yeah, she was Downton Abbey. Yes. And she's, she does a great performance. Now, in real life, there was a psychic called Harry Price, or a spiritualist, I should say, who's linked to Borley Rectory. And Sean Harris plays him. And it's an interpretation of the character that I think will be a bit divisive because it's a bit larger than life, but I loved it. He plays Harry Price as a sort of coked-up wide boy. Like, you don't see him taking coke, <laughs> but he just, he's brimming with this sort of seedy intensity. Got it, yeah. And um, that I found really quite compelling. So he's really good. And there's a brilliant bit, very mini spoiler, where Marianne, the character's name is, she says to him, who are you? And he just says to her, no, who are you? And then he does this little monologue about, you know, when, when the, when the lights are off and everything gets scary, will she remember who she is? That's the important thing. I've made it sound shit. You have <laughs> this is this is the problem with these screenings. Like if I was watching this on Prime, I'd be I'd be thinking, you use that in a review. I'll rewind it and watch that watch now. It, yeah. write, write it down. <laughs> Sorry. Um but in terms of the acting and writing, that was a, a real highlight for me in the film. The interplay between the characters is really interesting. So the vicar, Linus uh, played by John Heffernan, his piousness manifests itself as sexual neurosis. So there's a scene quite early on where she's like, come on, we're married now, let's consummate the relationship. And he sort of shits himself and runs off to check the Bible. <laughs> and like, <laughs> the characters are all interesting, all well performed. There's those, like I say, those really creepy bits where you've got multiple versions of the character on the screen at the same time. So basically, I'd say, if you like haunted house films, you should lap this up. And I do, so I did. 
if you're the sort of person who watches The Conjuring or Insidious and thinks, well, this is all a bit daft, you might think The Banishing is a bit daft because it's very much in that subgenre. I think I'd give this four stars. Solid. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really happy that Chris Smith is back and making horror films because if he's making films like this on a regular basis, you know, that's great, great news for us. I might have to shorten these down. <laughs> I know it's suddenly like it's, you don't think it's much, but after a while, like. Yeah, I'm really wittering on. When there's you're like, not no, you're not wittering on at all. It's actually really interesting. Well, to tell you the truth, I can probably edit this down a bit. Okay. Friday. I had a cracking day because that was my first full day and I saw, I saw five films. And it's a real shame. It's a real shame you weren't here. Oh, I know. I, I just had such a lovely day Damn just watching prawn. my horror films. Damn that prawn. Damn that prawn. <laughs> okay, the first one was Don't Look Back, my lunchtime entertainment. Mm. This is a film by Jeffrey Reddick, who is the guy who came up with the idea for the Final Destination franchise. This is a really interesting and topical concept where somebody is beaten to death in a park and there's, uh, I forget how many, say half a dozen witnesses who instead of doing something just stand there filming it on their smartphones. And they've all got... They've that all actually got, happened, didn't it? There was uh, uh, someone got beaten up and I don't know if they got killed, but badly beaten and people just filmed it. It was really weird. It, it sort of happens regularly. The one I'm thinking of, is it, it was in like Trafalgar Square or something. It was really weird, like really public. Um, but yeah, anyway, sorry. Awful. Well, that, that mm. is the idea that this film plays around with. And what happens is the witnesses start getting picked off one by one. And the question is, is it some kind of supernatural karma? And there's stuff like a re- recurring motif of a, a crow that turns up before they die. You know, there, there's enough hints that it might be supernatural, but equally there are hints that it's just revenge for the fact that they didn't do anything. So yeah, really interesting, thought-provoking concept. It wasn't as compelling or as memorable by any stretch as Final Destination. Sounds very similar, actually. Always like trying to cheat death and death's coming after you because you should have... The handling the handling is different, so it's not gory. You don't get those lovely sort of setups for how they're going to get killed. Got yeah. Mm. Um, because it isn't shown graphically. I would say, kind of similar with The Sinners. Like, for me, it was perfectly entertaining. I got drawn in and wanted to see how it was going to end. It wasn't too long. There's some good performances there. I'd give it three stars, I think. Yeah. Again, not the sort of film I would pick myself to go and see. If I went and saw it with somebody else, I wouldn't be bored. It would be a perfectly good way to spend an hour and a half. Next up was The Pale Door. I love this. I'll give my stars rating up front. It was four stars, but it was almost a five. Oh, just missed out. That's just a matter of preference. You know, what they did was perfectly good. Mm. It's just I had hopes for something a bit different. So what this is, is it's a Western mashup. So the Dalton gang are going to rob a train. The leader of the gang is Duncan. His younger brother has been doing honest graft in a pub. And when they lose one of their men... Jake offers to step in, so he's sort of like the naive newcomer to the world of being a cowboy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and they go to rob a train, and when they rob a train, because it's got loads of Pinkertons guarding it, they think it's going to be full of treasure. Instead, it's got in a box, and when they open the box, there's a young girl in there, 
well, a young woman, I should say, with like a Hannibal Lecter-style mask on. Weird. Yeah, chained up, and they've all been guarding her. During the robbery, Duncan Dalton gets shot. So if he doesn't get help soon, he's going to die. And the girl says there's a doctor in her town. And she takes them to her town, and they go to the brothel, which is full of beautiful women. It's quite a... There's elements of From Dusk Till Dawn. I was weirdly thinking of From Dusk Till Dawn. Yeah, yeah. And when it all goes pear-shaped, it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. And it's got some nice emotional moments in it as well. It's got some cool horror bits in it. I think the only reason it wasn't five five stars for me is I really hope they were going to dial up the satanic craziness to almost ludicrous excesses. But actually, where they went with it was a bit more restrained than what I was hoping for. Still really enjoyed it. Still a really solid four stars. You're just hoping for more brothel action. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as always, Hannah, that's how I spend my life. Just hoping for more brothel action. Um, Yeah, I definitely recommend it there. Definitely recommend it. Right. We're running out of time because there's going to be a film on soon. Next up was The Owners. And something, before I talk about The Owners, something I loved about this is it had a 10 minute short movie at the beginning called Aftertaste by Chloe Wicks, which also had Jessica Brown Findlay in it. Oh, popular um, in the horror genre. Yeah, and so I can't really talk about what it's about because when you've got so little plot because it's a 10-minute short, it's a bit like trying to give a spoiler-free review of a joke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah. there's not much you can't can really say. Do it. <laughs> but what I would say is I really enjoyed it. It was really well made. It had a surprising ending, and it was a really nice way you know, like an amuse-bouche before the main film. I think, you know, like Pixar shorts. Yeah, yeah. I think every time you have a horror movie, you should have a little 10-minute movie at the start. I think that'd be a lovely tradition. Get you in the mood. Yep, so I enjoyed that. I won't say too much about it, apart from if you get a chance to see Aftertaste by Chloe Wicks, give it a whirl. It's very low-risk gamble with your time. Anyway, on to the owners. This is a film with Maisie Williams and Sylvester McCoy formerly Doctor Who, and it's one of those films, there's been a few of these, where a gang of horrible people try to rob a house because they think there's a big jackpot there, and actually it turns out that the owners are a force to be reckoned with, and it all goes a bit wrong for them. I thought this was great. I was worried at the beginning because I, and again, I've said this before, I like films with nice people that I care about, uh, and the characters in this are pretty <laughs> uniformly horrible. But it did a great job of building up the tension, especially in the first act. After that, there's a key moment in the plot. <sighs> really hard doing this without spoilers. Um, and <laughs> did I'd a say good job. In the middle act, it lost a bit of that urgency. It lost a bit of that momentum, but it didn't lose my interest because I was still like thinking, what's going on here? The, the owners of this house, Sylvester McCoy and his wife, seem a bit creepy, what's the deal here? And that interest kept me right through to the end, where, unfortunately for me, I'm not 100% sure I understood the ending, but I found it very effective just in terms of how it made me feel. But I really want to see this film again to double-check I understood the ending. Sylvester McCoy, brilliant. I wondered if I would struggle to accept him as a threat because I associate him with Doctor Who, Mm. but I didn't at all. He did a really good performance. Maisie Williams as well did a great performance. And actually, 
everyone was really good at acting in it, especially the person who plays the main bastard, mm. whose name, unfortunately, I can't remember. But he was one of those characters where, at first, I just hated him because the person who was playing was so horrible. But his performance gets really quite intense. He has some brilliant lines and one brilliant monologue that are well worth seeing. So that, I would give that four stars as well. Nice. If it sustained the sort of feeling of urgency and tension it had in the first act, it might have been a five, but it's still a strong recommend from me. And the last film you missed, Tanner. Wow, I nearly didn't watch it because I thought, from what I heard, I wouldn't like it at all. It's called The Reckoning, and this is by the second person who's returning to Fright Fest, Neil Marshall. So he did, you might have heard of Dog Soldiers. Yeah. The Descent. Yes. And then he went, he went off and did some Game of Thrones. He did stuff like Hell, the Hellboy reboot. Yeah, yeah. But he's back now and he wants to make horror films again. And this is great news. I nearly didn't watch The Reckoning because although I was really happy that Neil Marshall was back and making horror, I thought... Um, so what it's basically about is it's a period piece about a woman who's accused of witchcraft after her husband dies. And the way it was described to me was I wondered if it was going to be a gruelling sort of torture porn film that was all about her interrogation. A bit like The Passion of the Christ, but with yeah, a witch. Yeah. I thought there wasn't going to be any supernatural element. I thought it would just be, well, like I say, torture porn. I was completely wrong. I saw somebody on Twitter describe it as a romp. So it's got a really great story. The torture is only part of it. Uh, Charlotte Kirk does a brilliant role as the accused woman in question. You know, it's a real roller coaster for me of a movie because you've got the bit at the beginning where the opening where her husband dies is very effective, very well shot, beautifully shot, not realistically shot. You know, for a period piece, everything looks too beautiful, especially the main character. Yeah. It's not a sort of authentically gritty period piece, but it just looks gorgeous. It's just very well made, if you can suspend disbelief in that regard. The scenes where she's tortured, one particular event is really horrible, but luckily you're not shown it graphically. So this isn't a film where lots of prosthetic limbs are being pulled apart or anything like that. Oh, it's not yeah. like one of those um, extreme horror films mm. with loads of latex. Yeah. I know yeah, the ones, yeah. yeah. But um, what really surprised me was the action-packed final act, which almost, at parts, evoked in me the, the same sort of emotional response as when you're watching something like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Mm. You know, it was really exciting, and you're really rooting for the characters. And I just, I just loved it from start to finish, really. At no point did it drag. Like I say, it's not especially realistic, but it's a good enough film that I didn't think it had to be. And I gave it five stars. And honestly, going into the third day of... No, fourth day fourth of Friday. Yeah, because I forgot it had a Wednesday. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so far, it's my favourite film. I really loved it. When it's released, I will buy a copy to keep, even if I rarely re-watch films. But if I like a film that I've seen online, I buy a copy to keep. Something that really surprised me, uh, after the film ended, I was searching Twitter for Fright Fest and The Reckoning. And I've seen a lot of people who really loved it. But the people who didn't love it fucking hated it. <laughs> and, like, genuinely baffled. Because I didn't feel when I was watching it like it was a divisive film. Mm. I just thought it was a really solid, entertaining, exciting film. But some people were really quite angry about it. One person 
tweeted, because in the Q&A, Neil Marshall, behind him there were posters of dog soldiers and the descent. He was like saying, look at those posters on the wall behind you, Neil. Look at the kind of films you used to, and now look at what you've done. (laughs) And I was like, wow. And some people were like, that film had no redeeming qualities. And it's one of those where I didn't get why anyone who's a horror fan wouldn't enjoy it. Mm. Oh, and the other thing, the supernatural, there's some amazing spooky dream sequences or hallucinations or visions or whatever that really give it that um, spooky flavour, which is what I'm looking for when I... Because I always say I prefer supernatural horror. Really, it's that spooky flavour I like. And that was was definitely present um, just through how the subjective experience... Of, you know, I've forgotten which is name, Charlotte, Charlotte Kirk. <laughs> wasn't was, Debs, was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't Debs. So there was some great, really eerie imagery as well. Some really good spooky scenes. I just loved it. Five stars. But some people hated it. <laughs> it's funny though, isn't it? It's just a uh, preference sometimes because some people yeah, do yeah. really go for that uh, torture porn kind of uh, side to horror, which actually is my least favourite. Yeah. I find I'm just always getting through it to get to the next bit. Um, but interestingly, I was never a big fan of The Descent. Sorry, Neil. Um, very, oh. very well made film, but I just couldn't wait to get out of the cinema when I watched it. So, you know, it's, it's preference, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, thanks for catching me up. Yeah. Sounds like there were some good ones. So out of the films I've mentioned, which do you think you'd be keenest to Ooh. not have missed? So that one, that sounds really good. Yeah. Um, and the one that you said had a bit of a dust till dawn feel, not yeah, just for the brothels. Yeah. Obviously, that plays a part, but (laughs) that sounded very good as well. Yeah, excellent. Mm. So what I suggest, because I'd love to talk about them in more detail with spoilers, is when once they've been out on general release, we can revisit them and do full midweek horror podcast episodes for both of them. Yeah. I'd be quite happy to rewatch them. And the Maisie Williams one. That was another one I thought that would be on my street. And I want to know, like, what the twist was now. I'm like, I need to know. I need to watch it. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah, that was the third that really stood out. Well, also, you might help me understand it. <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. <laughs> I, I think, so going into day four, I've not seen a bad film. The worst films I've seen are ones where I came out and thinking, oh, yeah, that was, that was good film, yeah. Yeah, you know, that oh. sort of pleasantly surprised three stars because you didn't think you'd like it rather than disappointed three stars because you thought you'd love it all the way up to strong five stars, over the moon that Neil Marshall's back. If he keeps making films like that, I'll be very happy indeed. Yeah. And Neil, I did love Dog Soldiers, so just, you know. (laughs) All right, brilliant. Well, let's go watch some more films. First up is Heckle. Heckle, yes. Yeah. Interesting. We'll, Mm. We'll catch up with you guys after the jingle. So this is a film about a stand-up comedian who gets heckled. He has a go back and humiliates the heckler who then stalks him and turns up when the main character and his friends are having an 80s-themed party. Yeah. So it's a bit of a a retro slasher. 
So Heckle, very different. Um, we're talking about, I mean, obviously not big budget, but certainly had quite big stars in it, which I was surprised at. So you had yep. Steve Gutenberg, um, Toya Wilcox, which was surprising. Yeah, in quite a small role. Yes, I think very she, small she have just one scene. Yeah, one or two max, not not a lot. Yeah, yeah. In fact, she had so much of a small part. I I didn't think I I kind of doubted myself. I I was going I was going to say to you, is that Toya Wilcox? And I thought, don't be stupid, because I mean, you'd expect her to be in more of a lead role. Yeah, yeah. Um, Danny Girl Dyer. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I I hope that's her middle name. <laughs> That'd be the perfect middle name for her. <laughs> As opposed to, you know, get out of my pub. <laughs> my finest Cockney accent. <laughs> uh, yeah, so big names. Um, which I think is fair to say is why I found it a little disappointing. Yeah, because yeah. there was a lot... Sorry, heckle makers, but I, was a, I had a lot of issues with it. Um, where to start? The plot. <laughs> I mean, I, I like the, I like the kind of unique idea. I'd not seen anything like that, you know, about the whole, the fact that he was being heckled by this chap who was then after him and he didn't know where he was and he was kind of always in the shadows and stuff. Really great idea. But then the rest of it just, just wasn't, it, it was all very vague and I, I, I didn't ever feel like we were kind of, it was a very strong plot at all. After that, no. that initial idea. No. Um, and there was... So, obviously, we can't really go into spoilers because these are unreleased films. Mm. But I would like to return to this after it's been released and do a one of our full and frank reviews because there was at least one point of the plot that just didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. And I think I might have said to you, hang on, ha- and said what it was. And I don't think... Can you remember what it was? Uh, no. Don't say it. <laughs> no, I can't. Okay. We'll have a chat afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll definitely have a chat. Um, I think something we can say, though, is it's very lazy filmmaking to pretend to be on a phone call and rather than have someone on the phone call, <laughs> have someone stood in the same room behind you saying, I'm convinced. I'm convinced they just had her stood next I think to they the camera. Did. Yeah. And she just said her line. That was bizarre. Um, on the other end of the call, you know, normally the... Like, it's normal when you're watching a film, somebody's on the phone, that you can hear what the other person's saying, even though in real life you yeah. wouldn't. But normally they put, like, the vocoder effect or something on their voice, so it sounds like it's coming down a phone line. But in this case, it really just sounded like somebody was calling the other person's line it, from behind the camera. It was bizarre. I, 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 it was just... I, I don't mean to be really down on it, but it was disappointing because of the... The experience you'd assume they had there, even if not, even if the filmmakers weren't that experienced, to get those big names in, I, f- I felt like it should have been better. Um, and it, yeah, there was a lot of, there was, there was a lot of issues with it. It was very dark. I think it was too dark. Half the time you couldn't see what was happening. Sometimes the sound was a bit odd as well. So I did wonder if there was some up with my speakers because we're watching mm. this, we're watching this on the projector. We've got the laptop going into the projector and the laptop's also going into my speakers. So I thought maybe my speakers are not as good as I thought they were. Maybe. But we've just watched Alien on stage with exactly the same setup and it was crystal clear. Yeah, that's true. I think the problem with the audio mix was that the music was too loud and we 
when we were trying to turn it up, you know, during a quiet scene, we'd mm. turn up the speaker so we could hear what people were saying. But then when the music came in, it was, it made the, the overall sound a bit louder than the speakers could accommodate without starting a buzz. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to ruin the illusion that we have a very professional setup here, <laughs> but it's not like we're not saying with Dolby surround no. sound. We keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't feel too bad about not liking this film because it's actually the sort of film that I wouldn't like no matter how good it was. Fair enough. Because yeah. now that that sounds like I'm setting an impossible bar. <laughs> <laughs> like, no matter how good you make this film, I I'm going to hate like it. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what I mean is there's clearly a market for films about unlikable characters, especially in horror, because so many of them get made, so many people go to see them. But for me, that is the cardinal sin of a horror movie is I have to like, I have to, I have to care what happens to the characters because I like them. I'm not the sort of person who can just enjoy watching horrible people get picked off one by one and take some satisfaction in that. To me, the engagement with the film comes from rooting for someone. And I just didn't like any of the characters in this movie. I, I agree. If anything, sometimes I get a bit stressed when I really like a character and I'm worried about them. But in this, yeah, I was yeah. perfectly relaxed. I was like, I don't care. Kill them all. Yeah, Who cares? Yeah. Um, also, like, the the kind of, like, the, the, the characters in general, like, they were very... I, I don't think they were very well thought out. You know, they weren't very likeable. Who were they? I mean... The one seemed like an American from the 90s, which was odd because this was supposed to be a modern day film. In fact, all of them, it, it felt like we were watching a much older film, but we weren't. And that wasn't just because they had that kind of 80s party. They yeah, were just yeah. really odd mix of characters. It wasn't explained why they were friends. They were all different ages, like really ridiculously different ages. They didn't seem to like each other. People just kept turning up and leaving randomly. And it was just like, what? I felt like that had been written on a fag packet in someone's lunch break. It just wasn't thought out at all. I think mm. lazy. Sorry, guys, but lazy. Should we give it a bit of a stars rating? Yeah. I'm going to go two. And that's generous, to be honest, because it yeah. wasn't big budget. Yeah, yeah. I will give it a, yeah, I'll give it a two as well. So we're still mm. this far into our podcast career. We've still only got one film that we didn't give it the same stars rating. Wow. Great minds. Yeah. It was Mandy. We had quite a spread oh, on Mandy, didn't yeah. we? <laughs> <laughs> we nearly fell out over Mandy. <laughs> yeah, um, that's pretty good going. I'd like to think that means, you know, we're kind of onto something. Yeah. Whatever that might be. <laughs> but you know, one thing I think though is people like, when I'm listening to podcasts, I don't actually have to agree with the reviewers. No. Because normally you don't listen to a podcast about a film to find out if you want to go and see it. You listen to a podcast about a film to hear somebody... Like, this is a different episode for us because we're talking about unreleased films. But most of our episodes, we're talking about films that the listeners will have already heard. And I... How did I get onto this topic? <laughs> What were we talking about before oh, I went on this mad? Well, mission? you don't you don't have to agree with um, what someone's saying. Yeah, to yeah. still find it interesting to know to understand their yeah, opinion yeah. and yeah. Oh, you put that beautifully, Hans. So nice, we we don't nice. have to agree with each other, and the, the people who listen don't have to agree with us. One of my favourite uh, podcasts is Horror Movie Talk, and they absolutely panned a film 
called The Devil's Doorway by Ashley and Clark, oh. which that is definitely in my top five horror films. But, you know, it's still still fun listening to them talk about it. So. And why? I like to... If I really like something and someone really hates it or vice versa, I like to understand why. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what didn't I see or what did I see that they didn't? Yeah. And uh, I find that, yeah, that really interesting as well. Yeah. And it's like, I love true crime podcasts, but... I, you know, I don't then, I'm not on there to get tips. You know, I just find it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't listen to our podcast for tips. <laughs> really don't. <laughs> it's not advised. <laughs> right, this was quite a tangent. Excellent, that was yeah. my fault as well, the tangent. I just went off on one. I can't even remember what. <laughs> well, we're very excited and we've probably had a lot of sugar already. Uh, yes, so, you know, we have. We have. So we just finished watching the wonderful Aliens on Stage. About an amateur dramatic production of Ridley Scott's Alien from Dorset. Uh, it didn't have a very successful opening night in its hometown, but a couple of documentary makers saw it and realised it had potential, so they arranged for it to come and perform a West End stage. Uh, do you want to go first, Han? Well, I mean... We what, nearly what didn't watch say. it, did we? We nearly didn't watch it. Um, not really for any reason. We just... I don't know. I, For me, I just thought, oh, well, I don't know. I, I'm kind of here more for horror rather yeah. than aliens, as much as I love UFOs and aliens and stuff. I think we'd looked at the three in this slot and mm. we didn't... We weren't desperately keen to see any of them based on the descriptions, and we thought we could use this time to do some podcast recording. We did, but but then I did read the synopsis earlier, and I thought, oh, that's quite interesting. And we were looking through it, and I think what was the real moment where we went, actually, let's watch it, when we saw that it was the cast was the Dorset bus driver. Yes, yeah, <laughs> instead of like, names, it just said the staff of the Dorset. That was it, yeah. Bus, bus company. Bus company, yeah. Was it like Weymouth and Dorset or something? something like that, anyway. And we were like, absolutely got to watch this. And I think it's safe to say, so glad we did. What, I mean, brilliant. Really well put together documentary for a yeah. start. Um, just the right amount of seeing them prepare, seeing them not doing too well and then doing better. And yeah, yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like building that up. What, one, one of those, um, key documentary making skills where just by what you show, you bring out the natural narrative arc of what's happening. Absolutely. O- almost like yeah. a movie story. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's the, um, first act, middle act, and mm-hmm. then final act. And it's also a lovely story of the underdogs who didn't do very well at first. Yeah. Ending up being, you know, against all odds, really successful. And, I mean, everyone loved it, didn't they? I don't know. We we were in stitches. We were in absolute stitches. As the audience were. Absolute stitches. And I don't know, um, I mean, I haven't checked Twitter yet to see what the Fright Fest gang thought of it. No, I excitedly I'm... bunged out a tweet yeah. on our shared account <laughs> to let everyone know how much we loved it. Um, we'll, we'll have a little look at that shortly and see what the buzz is like. I can't imagine anyone didn't, though. Or no. If my, they didn't... My only concern is maybe few people watched it because it's not a traditional horror film. It's a documentary about an M. Drem production 
of a film that some people even consider a sci-fi. True. Rather than a horror. Um, I'm going to hold my hands up, though, and say I probably consider it a sci-fi. But not. I don't think that's a bad thing. No, not at all. I think um, I think it'd be a real shame if many people didn't watch it, because we loved it. And what I loved as well, at the end, they showed just the right amount as, of the performance. Yes, the best bits. I, I, that must have been the best bits. But it was the key scenes, like exactly the sort of scenes when you hear an Amdram company is doing Alien, and you think, oh my God, I wonder what that scene will look like. Yeah. They showed all of those scenes. And yeah. I thought that was... Like the uh, alien popping out the chest scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when big alien gets them all. Yeah, The yeah. eggs, and, you're ga- and they're gazing into the eggs. Um, yeah, yeah, that was brilliant. Yeah, all all the key ones. Um, Ash. Yeah. When they're talking to Ash's head. Ash's head, love that. <laughs> when you could see the other head under the table. That's yeah, my favourite. I love that. <laughs> Um, love the characters. <clears throat> what a lovely group of people. I especially liked, um, is it Carol that played Lambert? I found her hilarious. Yeah, yeah. She was just so funny. Just all, like, kind of like laughing and all over the shop, but brilliant. A- absolutely brilliant. Um, who else did we like? The chap. Was it Dallas? He played Dallas. The, the one who was very monotonous. <laughs> yeah, we loved him as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was fantastic. He had me in stitches. I think, you know, if I heard they were making a fictional adaptation of this documentary, like giving it the um, Hollywood treatment, like doing a full Monty on it and adapting it into mm. a, a feature film, I would be so eager to go and see it. Oh, totally. I think it would work really well for yeah, that, actually. Yeah. Because yeah. they were just, the other thing about it was they were, it was hilarious without them even trying. Yeah. And it was just, they just had something. It just really warm and funny and every, and the audience just lapped it up. Absolutely yeah, lapped yeah. it up. Um, and actually some of the stuff was like, we commented, didn't we, that the, um, the set design and like the, all the special effects and stuff were really well done. Like looked really, yeah, really yeah. good. Um, Han and I actually watch a lot of theatre and as well as touring productions, we go see Amdram productions, but good, good okay. Amdram. And I think if we'd walked into a production of Alien and seen those sets on the stage before the show started, we would have thought, oh, that looks brilliant. I can't wait to see this. We would have been impressed, wouldn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah definitely. absolutely. Definitely. The, the set designer did a great job. Yeah, he was he was really good, really talented. Um, so, yeah, two big thumbs up for um, Alien on the stage. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd give it five stars. Five stars, absolutely. Yeah, for the actual show and the documentary yeah definitely all good yeah a lot of uh credit to the filmmakers for seeing the potential of this Mm. and i'm really glad that they brought something to london and then to fright fest yeah which could have easily just sunk without trace as a one night only in dorset thing well we were surprised that it was um originally done in 2012 weren't we so glad that we actually finally got to see it yeah yeah definitely Okay, let's talk about Benny Loves You. This is a horror comedy about an adult man whose favourite childhood stuffed toy comes to life and goes on a murderous rampage. I've seen it described as Ted crossed with child's play. 
Oh, well, I think we love Benny. Yeah. That's all I can say about that. Absolutely. What a fantastic film. Masterpiece. I was blown away. There was, there was nothing like first time filmy or amateur at all about that film. It was no, brilliant. no. We were wetting our sides throughout. Yeah. We were in absolute stitches. And again, we can't, because it's not been released yet, we can't do spoilers and talk about all our favourite bits. But there were so many bits that we were just guffawing at. Hilarious. And still like a slasher horror. Yeah, yeah. Some yeah. brilliant kills. Brilliant, gory. Fantastic. Gory kills. A bit of the kind of like... um I think we even said this at the time, like Shaun of the Dead kind of yeah, comedy yeah. type stuff about it. Um I, th- I think if that got a, a widespread release and it just caught the public mood, I mean, it's always hard to know what the public are going to do. But I, I think that could be absolutely massive. That is the that is the best British horror comedy I've seen since, yeah, Shaun of the Dead. I would agree. I can't think of any others that get anywhere close, actually. Double Date is really good. Double Date is one of my favourite films I've seen in recent years. So I'll have to show you that sometime. Yeah, definitely. Um, but this was... And it was so polished as well. The special effects I really enjoyed throughout. But towards the end, I just felt like they, they stepped up into another level. Yeah. You know, it some of the fight scenes at the end... Um, and again, it's hard not to spoil what I specifically mm. liked. But if you if you went to the cinema and saw them on the big screen. They look fantastic. Yeah, they look fantastic. And, and like, they wouldn't look dodgy at all. Really no, professional. No. Yeah, there yeah. was um, another bit, and I won't, again, won't spoil it, but where, which was actually quite emotional, where they had all the, like, feathers coming down and stuff as well. Yeah, and yeah. Like, the pillowcases. And just some of the bits were, like, I I was really impressed by the fact that they made it, like a like, a slasher horror, Really hilariously funny, brilliant comic timing, and also quite emotional. Yeah, there yeah. So I was like, oh, and tense. We mentioned that as well, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Seen really tense. I actually said to you at one point, there's a, a scene with uh, police officers in the house. And the thing about this film, at numerous points, it's not like played as a grounded, realistic comedy. It's in part silly humour with people acting like real people wouldn't act. Yeah. You know, it's quite quite a cartoony, sitcom humour. Yes. And I actually turned to you and I said, this bit's so silly, but it's also really tense. Yeah. And that um, there's quite a few bits like that. But you talk about emotional. I actually turned and looked at you at the <laughs> end to see if you were crying. And I don't think you were, but just the fact that I thought, I wonder if Hannah's crying. It says a lot. I was quite, a lot. I was quite choked up, actually. I was like... <laughs> And then I laughed at myself because I thought, why? Yeah. But so I must have sensed this emotional <laughs> yeah. roller coaster going on because I thought, I wonder if Hannah's crying. <laughs> but great filmmaking. That's yeah, what yeah. It was incredible filmmaking. It's, yeah. And you know, I I don't want to kind of tear down other films, but you know, obviously we talked about Heckle earlier. Considering all the big names that had in it, and probably more. I mean, I'm I'm guessing potentially at least more budget. This film was just head and shoulders above that on another level. It was really nice um, seeing Carl Holt, I think his name was, who wrote, directed and starred. Yeah. And talking about the film before and after. His introduction was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, he was brilliant. Yeah. But in the Q&A after, it was really interesting hearing him say he'd sunk his own savings into this. He didn't know what was going to happen next. It depends on 
the reaction to this film because to make his next film, he would need external funding because he sounds like he spent all the spare cash he had making this. And he spent four or five years making it. But uh, I, I really hope he goes on to, you know, big, big things. He really deserves it based on the strength of that. Definitely. Hilarious, exciting, stone cold five stars for me. Absolutely five stars, no hesitation. Yeah, yeah. And I really hope that there are some external funders watching Fright Fest or maybe even listening to our podcast who would invest in him because he is a brilliant creative, him and his team, and just I want to see more stuff from them. He's got cult classic written all over Definitely, it. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be recommending it to a lot of people because I think there'll be some people that won't find that easily. Um, no, yeah. And, but who would love it, absolutely love it. I'd definitely watch it again as well, like as a party film to show it people. You know, like those films where you're happy to sit through them several times and when somebody else comes around and you have a beach and stuff, you know, you know put it on it. to show them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely, because you're a bit smug, because you're like, I know you're like this. Yeah. yeah you'll be impressed. Absolutely. Um, and all I, I know we've we mentioned Carl, but all the actors in it were incredible as well. Great yep. comic timing, really professional. Uh, yeah, it was really impressive. Really well put together as well, just stuff like the credits, the use of um, narration at some points. It was just really wittily edited. Yes. I think I would say. Definitely. Yeah. Brilliant. Best film so far. Yeah, definitely. So I absolutely loved The Reckoning, which I saw last night. Mm. I think this might have pipped it. Yeah. I think this might have pipped it. Okay, so we've just finished watching Broil. What did you think? I really liked it. I really liked it too. Um, and funnily enough, I thought I was going to say I really liked it and you were going to go, it was wank. <laughs> 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 but no, apparently not. No, I did really like it. We had to work for it. it yeah. Made, it, like we had to pay attention. You definitely couldn't just be like having a snack and a chat whilst watching it. You you had to engage because yeah, otherwise yeah. you would be like, because you went to the loo for like a minute and you were like, okay, what just happened? And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I came just, back, it was like a completely different film. Yeah, it was like something quite crucial has just happened, yeah. So for the, for the sake of the audience, this is like, a, um, what's the best way to sum up the plot? Basically, there's a young girl who's getting in trouble at school. Mm-hmm. She gets sent to live with her... Grandfather. Stern, terrifying grandfather, who's obviously wadded. The whole family is wadded. Mm. And she finds out that her family are basically not quite human. Yeah. There's a bit of... um, They go a bit round the houses of what they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, And we won't spoil it, but yeah, not quite human. It's it's definitely a supernatural film. Yeah. And they're scary. We can say they're they're scary. Yeah, no, they're not nice. But the way they tell the story is quite stylish and stylized and choppy, where they'll jump around in the timeline a bit. Mm. They basically would show you something, and there was a couple of times at the beginning where we went, what, like, did we miss something? What just happened? And then they'd explain it later. Yeah, yeah. And so you did have to kind of be on the ball to make sure you were... You were that when you were hearing the explanations, you could like be like, "Oh, okay, that was from that bit, and that was from that bit." Um, yeah. But as it went along, you kind of got—I found I got used to that, and it was fine. Yeah. And I was like, "Okay, yeah, I'm on board with this. This is a bit different." Yeah. So you had to work for it, but it was a good story. Great cast. Very good cast. We we sort of roared with surprise and delight <laughs> when we realised that um, 
I guess the main character. I didn't think he was going to be the main character, but was played by Jonathan Litnicki. <laughs> yeah. Am I pronouncing Child his star. name right? Yeah. 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 The kid from, he was in Stuart Little. And there was another big one he was in, wasn't there? Um, anyway, things in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, he did a good job. Yeah, all grown up. Lost N- the glasses. Nobody did a bad job with the acting, although some of the villainous family members... It's not bad acting, but it was very theatrical acting. Yeah. I, I think some of them were kind of, um, yeah, had seen someone play a villain and were kind of doing the typical, this is what a villain does, cackling loudly, yeah. looking sexy and terrifying. Yeah, I yeah. quite like that, though. I mean, yeah. I, I don't mind it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. down with it. Yeah, yeah. But that one girl, I thought, was almost like invoking Margot Robbie doing Harlequin. You know, the like... Yes, I do. The one yeah. I mean, the like youngest family... I think she was the youngest sister. I was like, yeah, that was basically Margot Robbie. So, again, for the benefit of the take, basically, you've got the patriarch of the family and his various kids and their spouses Yeah, add up to, I think, including him, there's 11 people around the table. The sort of story builds to... Uh, they call it the harvest, the family dinner they're going to have. Mm. A bit of a get-together. Um, again, it's hard to say too much without spoiling. It is, this, yeah. this is a new thing for the Midweek Horror Podcast. I know, we love our spoilers, um, don't we? We love the spoilers yeah, yeah. section. And also taking the piss out of films. Yes. Like, yeah. I really want to return to some of these films for full episodes once they've been released and they're out in circulation. Even the ones we like. Yeah. So we can just remind each other of things and take the piss out There's of There's always something you can take the piss out of. <laughs> I know, one I know. bit. Even in the best film. <laughs> um, I thought it was very, very stylish. It felt to me like I wouldn't have been surprised if it had been adapted from a graphic novel. I was thinking they were going to say it was at the yeah, end, but apparently not. There was a lot of stuff in there, like almost like you think some of the things Neil Gaiman does, where he's drawing on mythology but mixing it with the real world and where there's odd set pieces where suddenly the tone will change. Mm. Um, in terms of the story, and also the the lack of chronology where it will just flash back. Yeah. You know, you, you'll you jump back. So, sometimes in comic books, I think they like jump back for issues at a time. Yeah. To explain how you, how you got somewhere. And it really had that sort of feel to me. I um, felt like, um, if I'm going to be down on it in any way, sometimes... They went a bit too over the top with some of the supernatural and myth, um, like kind of like mythological stuff. And I was a bit like, oh, I think you didn't really need to say that. And again, it's really hard not to get into spoiler territory, but I was like, it was enough without you then doing this other explanation about other things, which I don't think was necessary. Sorry, that makes no sense when you haven't seen it. No, I think, (laughs) I think I know what you mean. Yeah. I think I know what you mean. Some of it went a bit, too far however i would let them off because um, when we watched the interview afterwards with the director he did talk about doing a sequel so i think more it might be explained with more context more detail and it might make more sense and i'd be really keen to see the sequel yeah Yeah. absolutely what would you give it stars wise i would give it a four yeah i'd give it a solid four yeah so again we're we're keeping going with giving the giving the same Stars rating. We've got one more film of the day. We do, yeah. And we had to flip a coin because we were <laughs> struggling so much to decide between the hosts, which we both really want to see. That is a film about um, 
a family who have a couple over for Christmas and unbeknownst to them, their visitors have been taken over by a malicious entity that's hell-bent on world conquest. That sounds right up my street. It does, doesn't it? But the other one we were really tempted by was Let's Scare Julia, which sounds extraordinary because it was filmed in one... Yeah, one continuous take. 80-odd minute take, yeah. Which I'm really... I, I'm more intrigued with that one just for the um, the technique. Yeah, that, yeah. Just to see that Fully play agree. out. Yeah. And in fact, um, I can't even remember what the story synopsis was. Something about um, some girls at a sleepover, basically, I think, trying to scare each other. And then I think it's the, the, the one girl has been kind of teased and scared by some friends. Yeah, and her cousin, and then because she's being bullied, I think she almost wants to bully someone else and tries to bully Julie. I think I think this is right. Who lives um, over the road or something? That's about as far as we got with it because we were then we were then talking about the continuous take, weren't we? So. And she's gonna bully her, yeah, in one long continuous Massive take, long take. Um, so we we flipped a coin. Yeah, we're gonna scare Julia. We are gonna scare Julie. Let's scare it's Julie. Is it just Julie? I think so. If Do I'm you know wrong, what? Apologize. I'm getting so good at editing these podcasts. <laughs> I reckon I can surgically, if it is Julie, I reckon I can surgically snip out You're the going, little the little as Julie. <laughs> 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 in fact, in fact, I'll beep it out. <laughs> Brilliant. All right. Nice. So we've also got a curry on the way. I'm looking forward we do. to that. Oh, very much looking forward yeah. to that. So We've had a busy day of films, so yeah, we need to keep the energy levels going. Definitely. Mm. Into the final straight for yep. day four of Fright Fest. So we just watched Let's Scare Julie. <laughs> <laughs> we did indeed. By a final film of Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. And I actually um, thought it wasn't a bad finisher. And you were right. It was a. Uh, it was let's scare Julie. It was rather it than was. Julia, as I repeatedly said. What did I think? I found the plot a little bit murky, and I think I think mm-hmm. I understood the series of events exactly the same as you did, but I just didn't understand why it happened. Yeah. I agree with you. I think the plot was a bit murky. I think there was extra elements that they added that weren't necessary and it still would have been as good without. Yeah. Um, but I kind of just didn't mind because it was a kind of like fun, what's going on, people jumping out. You kept kind of, um, like it was, they were quite often lingering on the sort of, is it dead space? Oh, hello. Yeah, yeah. Hello. <laughs> Oh, you know me. Oh, I like to throw in a technical fact now. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think when they were doing that, I was like, "Oh, somebody's going to jump out," you know, um, which was good. Um, so I enjoyed it. I also thought the young actresses were incredible. I thought the youngest actress, the very small girl who played Lily, mm. was amazing to do one continuous take. Like, if, if one person makes a mistake, you've got to start again. Yeah. And getting a girl of that age not to glance at the camera. Yeah. That was really good. I was really impressed by that. Should we give them a very quick spoiler-free rundown of the plot? Yeah, I think we can. Um, so, basically, we have um, Emma, who is staying with her cousin Taylor and Taylor's family, and also with Emma's little sister, Lily. Um, so... 
we're not sure if both her parents have died, but certainly the father has. Um, and so, yeah, for whatever family, personal reasons, she's staying with the cousins. And then, so basically, Taylor's friends all come over and they're all pranking each other and daring each Smoking other. Smoking pot. Smoking pot, snogging, all kinds of things. And um, they decide that they would like to go and prank um, the new girl who's just moved in over the road. Yeah. Which they do. And in doing that, a lot of weird things happen. And there's a lot of running about, unknown, no one's sure what's going on. And I think, although we have the father in the house, he's a bit pissed and is either asleep or drunk and ranting. Yeah, and the yeah. mother's not there. So it all feels a bit like they're kind of on their own. They get out of their depth. Yeah. They, they go to prank someone and end up getting drawn into a spot of supernatural peril. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's fair, fair to say. That's definitely fair. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun kind of, you know... Typical sort of, what do you call it, um, more of a sort of thriller horror. You know, not particularly gory or anything. No, not um, all, yeah. And, you know, we weren't quite sure what was going on, but very entertaining. Do you know, especially with it being filmed in one continuous time. Yeah, tale, I was impressed we'll, with that. We'll talk about it in a minute, but mm. can you imagine if they'd had, like, Benny Loves You-style gore sequences? <laughs> the amount of planning. Oh, my God, it would take <laughs> so much planning. It would take them ages. I mean, I'm amazed they managed to do it as they did, to be honest, just going yeah. from room to room, because that yeah. is bloody difficult to do. We had uh, misunderstood a little bit, though, what in one, mm. one take meant, though, because I thought it would be one continuous take in the sense of a single unbroken piece of filming as shown to you. Yes. And when we watched it at first, every now and then we'd say, wait, wait a second, that was a cop. Yeah. I mean, so I think they filmed it in one continuous take, but they, they still let themselves where it made sense for them to make to have an edits. edit. Yeah, yeah. But they didn't do that a lot, to be no, fair. No, they didn't do it, it a lot. Was, all, I mean, right. you could count on one hand. Well, the times I noticed, you could count on one hand. So, yeah, still very well done, even if they did do some little yeah. bit of tinkering. And I wish we'd understood better sort of what the rules are, because I got a bit distracted from the plot for a brief period. Because mm. I was just watching like a hawk to see to the, see if the next one, yeah, 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 to see if there was an interruption to the seamless play of footage. I think I thought it would be one scene. Yes, oh, it was yeah. one scene, really. It was. We lack the terminology. Mm. We lack the terminology for this. But they they didn't. I might edit this bit out altogether, <laughs> actually, because I feel like a bit of a twat now. No, I think a lot of people would, wouldn't understand quite what that means. Um, I certainly didn't, but I think even if they made minor little changes, or even if they had the odd cut for whatever reason, how those girls still ran around acting like 15, 16 year old mental girls all hyper and running around and throwing each other on the floor and, you know, jumping out I, with a camera following them all the time, I thought was incredible. Yeah, yeah. That one of them did not make a mistake. Yeah, you know? no. It was or not an obvious one. It was a brilliant feat. Mm. It was a brilliant feat filmmaking in that regard yeah it definitely delivered for me absolutely i think um for me this film was one of those occasions where there's nothing wrong with what they've done story-wise but i was a little bit disappointed because i thought it would go in a different direction i thought oh, bloody hell we're into spoilers here i know this is the problem isn't it it's a fine line i had my own theory about what was going on in the house and what actually happened 
when we get to see in the house was completely unlike the sort of, I say theory, I don't mean a fully formed theory, just mm. a, an idea of what sort of thing it would be, what sort of film it would turn into. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it didn't at all. And I think the film I was imagining would have been more to my taste, but that's not a quality thing. Mm, it's no. a taste thing. It's a preference. It's the kind of stories I enjoy the most. I agree. I would have probably uh, personally done something slightly different with the plot. Um, I don't know if this is... I mean, you can cut it if you think it's going too much into spoiler territory. But I also... We saw the monster and it didn't scare me. And I thought I'd have rather not seen the monster. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because that was not scary. And I kind of went, oh, Okay. <laughs> and you, you're limited in your technical options when yeah, you've got the constraint you of yeah, you really are. doing one one piece of filming, one continuous take of filming and making the film out of that. But I think they could have taken that out and it would still been as effective. I think I might have said this to you before, but I, I, hate, I often hate seeing the monster because I do think it ruins it for me. Like, um, have I said this to you before about Jeepers Creepers when you see the giant stupid grasshopper? And I'm like, oh. Is it a giant stupid grasshopper? Yes, that's some giant grasshopper. Whereas when it's following them in the van, do you remember when, the, when they're on the road? And Jesus I didn't know it was a grasshopper. I it's thought like it was a scary monster. Weird... Well, it looks like, like a, a demon. grasshopper. It doesn't look scary, I didn't think. I was like, oh, it's a massive grasshopper. But when they're driving on the road and that blacked out van keeps getting closer to them and playing that song, you're like, oh, that's scary. Not a massive grasshopper. Tell me. I don't remember it being a grasshopper. <laughs> Pretty sure it was. Oh. oh, it looked like one. I'm not saying it was at necessarily a grasshopper, but basically. Well. The unknown is scarier to me. Yeah, definitely. Definitely scarier than a grasshopper. Definitely. Unknown scarier than a grasshopper yeah. any day. <laughs> Always. <laughs> um, I think, for me, the sweet spot's in the middle. If I never see the monster... I get a, I feel a bit cheated. Oh, okay. But if you see it, I mean, famously with Alien, mm. they had scenes that didn't make the final scene where it was, you know, you could just see the xenomorph stood there. Yeah. And it was just too obvious that it was a dude in a suit. Oh, okay. So, yeah. and one of the reasons why Alien works so much is you do see the monster. You mm. feel like you know what the monster looks like, but you're getting partial glimpses of it. And that, that to me is the most effective thing. You yeah. Know, you I see it a bit. I do agree. And I think, um, it actually depends on what the monster is too. So I always found, um, you saw a lot of, uh, God, what the hell is her name? Uh, the girl in the ring. In the Japanese original, it was Sadako. Yeah. And in the American remake, I think it was Samara. Samara, yeah. Um, but yeah. She's scary, but at the end of the day, she's just a person, but they make her very scary and you don't want her to come anywhere near you. And I think that kind of thing is scary. But when it's some kind of like weird looking mythical beast or something, or just, you know, not a very scary looking person, I'm like, oh. So it depends. Yeah, I do know what you mean. Depends. I think it definitely uh, depends, actually. Uh, kind of glimpse <clears throat> from afar. Yes. I'm down with that. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, I think that's what I had on that. Stars, oh, right? Stars. Uh, it's a four from me. Three and a half from me. Oh. It's slightly different. Yeah, our second ever. Yeah. Our second ever and our mildest disagreement. I was say, we weren't like, I said five, you said one. You know, it was kind of like no, not far yeah. off. Um, and actually, I probably gave it a, I gave it a bit more 
because of the fact that they had to do it in this one shot and the quality yeah. of how the cameraman and the girls managed that. I was very impressed with that. So yeah. for that, yeah, for all right, brilliant. I well, guess that ends our. That's the end Saturday of day four of Fright Fest. Yeah, I've got some more films to see tomorrow. Yeah, you have a prior engagement. I do, unfortunately, mother I in hope, law. I hope we've left me. That's another Friday. enough snacks. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so I've taken a picture of the snacks, which I will put on Twitter. So. <laughs> As you know, we had a lot of snacks. We didn't, but people will probably assume that we ate them all and. I mean, we've still got bag loads. You say that as if we've been very virtuous. <laughs> but we have had two takeaways. Two takeaways. Yeah. About 100 bottles of Coke. Uh, <laughs> and Monster Munch for breakfast. So we did pretty good. <laughs> right, well, right, I yeah. think I think we can call that the end of the podcast. I think so. I've had an absolutely lovely day today. Huh? I've had a fantastic day. Thank you so much for hosting, Alice. It's been brilliant. Not at all. And I would really like to revisit some of those uh, films after they get released so we can do spoiler-filled yes. reviews of them. But I think it's a bit... We found it hard holding back, haven't we? We did, yeah. But it's a, you can't really spoil a film that's not even out yet. Also, this podcast would be about five hours long if we'd done it oh, God, you yeah. know, with all the spoilers in. So, yeah, I think we've saved everyone something there. All right, super. <laughs> so, in our last episode, I said our next episode will be Polterheist. But I forgot we had Fright Fest. Which is a bit of a special, so yeah, I think that's yeah. okay. Yeah. So the next episode will be Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Ooh. Gangsters and ghosts. Brilliant. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, everyone. Tune in next time for more... Midweek Horror. Don't get scared now. 